Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. It's Mark Graben here, episode 436. This is January 19th, 2022. My guest today is Dr. Cynthia J. Young. You'll learn more about her in a minute. We're going to be talking about lean and knowledge management. She is going to be presenting a webinar on February 10th as part of the Kinexus Continuous Improvement webinar series. You can look for a registration link in the show notes. You can register right now, or you can go to kinexus.com slash webinars. And if you are listening to this after February 10th, the recording of the webinar will be available on the Kinexus website and the Kinexus YouTube channel. So for links and more, go to leanblog.org slash 436. As always, thanks for listening. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, Our guest again today is Dr. Cynthia J. Young. She is the founder and CEO of CJ Young Consulting, LLC. So before I tell you a little bit more about her, Cindy, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you very much for having me. So we're going to have a real good conversation today about uh, knowledge management. So let me tell you a little bit more about um, Cindy's background. Um, She says uh, on her LinkedIn bio, she helps organizations optimize human-centric knowledge to increase trust and support collaboration and inclusion. So we'll have a chance to dig deeper into all of that. Um, She has been a TEDx speaker. You can find that online. She's been a contributor um, to HBR, and she is a, a U.S. Navy veteran. So thank you for your service, Cindy. Um, She's also a curriculum developer and instructor with Lidos, an engineering and defense contractor. And um, final thing I'll say is uh, I'm really looking forward to a webinar that Cindy is going to be presenting on February 10th. It's part of the Kinexus Continuous Improvement Webinar Series. So you can look for a registration link in the show notes, or you can go to kinexus.com slash webinars. so, Cindy, uh, before you know, we, we we talk about knowledge management. You know, I know you are also uh, a Lean Six Sigma Master Black Belt. So, I was wondering if you could tell, as as I ask many of our guests here, you know, a little bit of your origin story of how you were introduced to Lean Six Sigma, where you got your initial training, how that came to be. Okay, well, I first got it um, got involved is. I really like process improvement. I'm always looking at making things better. And we were having a problem at the last command I was at about how we bring people into our building for events. And, and this is when we, you were still in the Navy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. About 10 years ago. Actually, this is about 12 years ago. But that's when I discovered that we had an instruction about Lean Six Sigma. It came out in 2009. And I don't think it's actually been updated since then. But it's, it was very much a surprise to my command about this Lean and Six Sigma instruction, what it was, but about, you know, or green belts or black belts. And it said that we had to have a certain percentage at each command. So I said, well, that's something I should do when I, you know, so I can retire and get a good job. You know, things have slightly changed. The shiny object now seems to be, unfortunately, the PMP. But there are so many things in common with PMP and Lean and Six Sigma that I did pursue the whole Lean Six Sigma. I, I ran, my first event was a, Kai, was a Kaizen event. We called it Butts and Seats. And I actually wrote an article about that for, um, I don't know, it wasn't Quality Progress. It's a Lean Six Sigma review. Mm-hmm. Um, Crystal Davis helped me out with that. 
Oh, and yeah. Crystal, Crystal was a guest on here previously. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And um, she's a good friend. So it's, you know, there's something I've, I've very much found that I enjoy. And I also in particular enjoy lean and value stream mapping. So I'm able to use that in other areas. And so it's just kind of grown with me and it goes into every job I have, every, every task I do. I look at how to standardize things, how to make things work well. I'm not so much into statistics. Um, in fact, my doctorate, I it was a quantitative study, but I had to use YouTube and um, SPSS help to get a lot of stuff done. Looking using YouTube for for help and <laughs> tips and instruction. Yeah, no, yeah. how to how to use the software actually. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you've got a number of certifications. You you are PMP certified. Um, there's another certification through ASQ, the Certified Manager of Quality Organizational Excellence. You have that certification as well. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'd, be, I'd be curious, you know, you, you have an opportunity here maybe to, to synthesize those different approaches. Um, so, you know, with the work that you do in knowledge management, how do you incorporate, you sort of take you know, uh, uh, the best of those different approaches, there's, there's probably a lot of overlap. There, there is. And in fact, there's a lot of leadership and management practices in all three of those, you know, that are, are helpful and that I've kind of borrowed from a few places, trying a few things and it just really helps. Um, we had a meeting the other day with a coworker of mine and I suggested, you know, business practices. And we looked at, how to conduct a meeting, you know, just basic stuff. But we talked about it as far as project management. We also talked about it standardization. And so that was really helpful, even though that wasn't directly related to my job as a curriculum developer. It just makes everybody in the workplace have the same playbook. So when you talk about um, playbooks, uh, you know, it seems like that's one way of describing uh, perhaps at least one element of knowledge management. You know, thinking of that that knowledge of how we do things. Um, before you know, before digging into some of that, um, can can you define knowledge management and in, in, in the context of organizations? Like I'm sure, you know, like like myself, listeners know the two words, knowledge mm-hmm. and management. But knowledge management as a field, as a discipline, how do you describe that? Well, I I define it more as a personal thing. Um, and it's knowledge management is when you take the information that you have and you know what to do with it, such as, you know, if, if I have an idea about something, I know I need to talk to the people and get people to collaborate on something. If I know something is going to be unsafe or be a detriment to quality, I know what to do in that aspect. You know, so knowledge management is really just, do you share, do you transfer, do you collaborate how do what do you do with that information you have so how much of that um of that the challenge or or the way that we help make knowledge management a reality how much of that is a matter of of leadership and culture a culture of documenting and sharing things and how much of that is a matter of you know the technology of how the knowledge is captured and shared it's it's huge in, in, in culture. You, if you think about it like communication, you know, it, communication every day, however you come in and talk to people or how do you talk to people remotely, that's, you know, that's a culture. Oh, we do it this way. Same thing with knowledge management. So 
you know, I, I use knowledge management practices almost daily, you know, in everything I do. But when I was at my last company, we used it for business development. And, you know, even though I was a knowledge manager at one point, business development has a really good opportunity for knowledge management because there are so many pieces and parts that go with building new new customer bases and and getting more contracts. And so what I did is I, I used mind mapping because it was an easy way to lay out the picture and be able to bring other people into it because as a business development capture person, you don't want to be the only person doing the business capture. So you can do the explicit, the, the well-codified knowledge and then talk to other people and get them to give you what they know, what they've experienced. And that covers the tacit knowledge. And eventually, you know, you come to a stopping point. You have to stop at some point. And you get a good picture about what the customer is or what the contract is you're trying to win. And everybody can get a good understanding by looking at the picture and talking about it as a team. And so that becomes part of the culture when you decide that, hey, we're not just going to go with the A team for business development. We're going to go with a team, an involved team, where people have a say in, oh, I know this person, or I was I was with this company before, or I know this customer, he doesn't like this, or she doesn't like this. Just to give everybody a feeling that they are a part of the solution and not just a worker. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you talk about sales and business development, some things that I've seen or been exposed to going back over um, 20 years is, you know, uh, customer CRM systems, customer relationship management um, systems like um, Salesforce or uh, HubSpot or systems where, you know, pe- people who are involved in enterprise sales are, are supposed to be logging and recording yes. notes <laughs> and progress. And it's almost like, um, you know, a, a non-clinical um, parallel to charting, you know, as as you're caring for patients, as you're engaged in the sale, you're supposed to be um, putting notes into the system. Um, do you have do you have thoughts on like you know the culture that helps encourage people to take the time to do that? Like as, as much as nurses and doctors sometimes will complain about the amount of time it takes to do charting, salespeople yes. might complain about the amount of time it takes to 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 get that knowledge out of their head and into <laughs> a system. What what are some of your thoughts or experiences on that? Well, my experience first is it's, it's sometimes there's just so much put down in the beginning that people resist it. Uh, we had a CRM that we used to use, and it wasn't it, there wasn't enough licenses to go around. So sometimes we'd have to timeshare it, and because we we did that, some people would forget to put things in. They'd have their notebook. So what we did is my my VP would have a meeting with all of us once a week, and we'd go up to a a big portal and we'd put all our information. And it was a continual, it was continuing, growing page. It wasn't just it was like a status update in one. So you didn't have to talk about everything in the meeting. You could put it up ahead of time. People could read through it and then ask questions. Use the meeting more, you know, useful, make it more useful. But, you know, CRMs, I think they're they're only good if people know how to use them. So as, as much as I, I like technology, I don't always try to pull out the the best CRM. But I do know that that is a necessary thing. You have to have somewhere people can go and have access to it. And the other thing is is findability. You know, if you have access to it, you may not know where everything is findable and how to find it, or even have access to find it. You know, I don't I don't know how many times I've gone to a page and it says that 
well, you don't have access to it. Why do you need access to it? Well, sometimes you don't even know what's behind it. So <laughs> you have to do that. But yeah, CRMs, huge, huge benefit to an organization, especially if it's a larger organization. But, you know, it's, you know, how it's used, if it's used at all. And, and it seems like one of the barriers maybe to documenting, you know, whether it's taking notes about a customer relationship through sales or through, you know, support once they've become a customer, um, documenting standardized work or procedures or whatever language you use. There, there's, you know, I think this old fear, and, and it's not that it doesn't exist anymore, but there's a fear that's been around for a long time that, um, you know, is sort of based on people saying, well, my value to the organization is partly the information that yes. I have, the experience that I have. If I throw that all into a system, does that make me more replaceable? Yeah. Um, what, what's your response to you know a concern like that? I would say that that I I, I believe firmly believe that knowledge sharing is is important because. You know, you need to you need to be able to explain to people what it is you're writing down because a note is not going to be end all of the you got to have that conversation. You know, there are some people that are afraid they're going to lose their job. Somebody else is going to get smarter than them or get their place in there, and that's not really the case. That the case that happens is that that person normally moves up in the company, and they're seen as more valuable to the company because they share what they know and they build their teams you know, and you educate your teams on how you do business by showing. So that's why I think it's just, it's a fear that people just have to learn how to get through, but it takes a while. And and there's an article um, that Cindy wrote. um, I'll I'll link to this in the show notes, five ways to protect yourself from a layoff Mm -hmm. using knowledge management, which sort of turns that scenario on its head. Um, that, That sharing knowledge, like you said, demonstrates, um, you know, benefit and value to the organization. Um, you know, in the, in the article, I think you know, the way you stated it, um, resist hoarding knowledge. And, yes. and, and again, I think that seems counterintuitive to people. Well, it, it does. And um, it's just because they haven't seen the good in it. You know, they may have been run over by somebody else who's gotten further in company because of maybe they've stolen some something that, they, that they've known and been the first to report it. Kind of like when your kids, your brother, or your sister will go up to your parents and tell on you, and that doesn't work out well either. But you know, it's it's all a matter of of how you pose it, how you pose the knowledge you have. And and I'd be curious to hear more, like you know, knowing a little bit about your career. I mean, this idea of sharing knowledge has been really beneficial to you. So this isn't just like this, you know, theoretical idea. No. Well, sharing sharing knowledge could be or should be beneficial. Can you share a little more about your story and and, and how that's sort of, you know, um, case in point, uh, you know, sharing information instead of hoarding it has led yeah. to promotions and new opportunities? Well, the, the whole time I was in the military, it's all about getting the mission done. You know, I was in the Navy for 23 years and I had to, you know, at one point I was enlisted, so I was working for other people and I was doing you know, individual things. And I wasn't quite putting the pieces together because I didn't know what was going on. I was, you know, too junior to be brought in the big, the big conversations. And then I got my commission 
And when you get to a ship and you're a commission officer, there's very few of you. So you have to do multiple things. And then you have to make sure your teams are getting ready or your divisions or your departments are getting up to speed on what's going on. And there was one point where two days before deployment, one of my sailors, she got pregnant. And she was one of my my qualified people to, to work the EHF, the and, you know enhanced high-frequency communications. Well, I only had one other person there that could do that. And luckily, they're both up to the same skills. They understood what was going on and they talked. But more importantly, she talked to other people in on the ship. And so it was good for you know the overall knowledge base. And then as I moved to being a contractor, after I retired and I was a contractor, knowledge sharing was helpful for our team because there were times when we talked to the customers separately. And so when I would tell my the rest of my team, you know, what was going on or what I had experienced with the customer or what the customer was asking me, they could be ready for it too, because you know, working for a government customer is a little bit of a challenge. It's a lot different than working for a, you know, a bank or something like that. It's it's a whole different level of, you know, I'm in charge and you're not. So as a as a contractor, you know, it's it's really good for us to share what we know. And then we're able to take a break and step away from, you know, our email or take a day off or, you know, that kind of thing. So it's been really helpful. And what helped me get promoted was the fact that I knew about knowledge sharing and I'm open to knowledge sharing. I built my team up on knowledge sharing and making sure they, you know, they help cover each other and they didn't look at it as, well, I won't get that pay raise. No, I, I made sure everybody got taken care of, but you know, the knowledge sharing, you know, resisting knowledge hoarding and as well as communicating on a daily basis. Those are all things, and th- those made the teams I worked on, as well as the teams that I managed, stronger. You know, and then they start cheering up people. Yeah, so it really then becomes a culture of knowledge sharing. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I enjoy it. Well, and you, you, you'd think others would too, because the, the perceived benefit of keeping information to yourself has got to be offset by the benefits then of having better access to information that that you need um you know connecting things to lean principles it seems like knowledge management helps us break down silos right to improve do- the flow does. of work can 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 you talk a little bit more about that yeah well one thing one thing i'm always i'm always harping on people i work with are knowledge skills and abilities and you you need to know how, who has what knowledge skills and abilities and we had, we had a process in place at my last company that um, we worked on. And myself and, and one of the senior engineers, we got together with HR and said, you know, there's got to be an easier way to find how to fill positions than with just, you know, getting people to give the resumes. So what we did is we started going every single person, had them provide, you know, what their skills were. And you know, we gave them checks. So all they do was check blocks and what areas they worked in. And then we could also, you know, they made it, HR made it into a database that you could search and that way you could find out what people are doing. So it kind of goes in that, that lean um, waste of non-utilized talent. You know, you're not hiring new people and spending more money training people and having a gap, but you had people that were already there that maybe they could have been better utilized other places, or maybe they were looking for new challenges and that saves you money. Plus it keeps that corporate knowledge in the company. So it's, 
you know, it's, it's a benefit all around. It makes HR's life easier. It makes whoever is managing that contract easier. And also it makes that person feel more valuable because they're being brought in and, you know, told that, hey, they have the skills and abilities and the knowledge to be able to do this. And they would like to give them this opportunity and it helps them grow and make more money, which is really sometimes the only factor people look at when they look at transitioning jobs. So thinking more about um, connections between knowledge management and lean, Cindy, I mean, there, there, there would be applications of lean to knowledge management, maybe applications of knowledge management to lean. Like yes. how, how, how do you see those connections? Which of those connections are maybe most important? Well, if you look at just in time, you know, for logistics and you're looking for a part, you know, knowledge wise, I would know that I would need certain parts. Well, logistics wise, the logistician will know, okay, well, these people are the ones that are always looking for these parts. And so if I can order these and have these on my shelf, then I'm making their lives easier. And then this will, it goes around and it makes it a better working relationship. You know, that's, that's always been a challenge, you know, you know, because my, my life has been mostly in the government comp, you know, area. It's always a challenge, especially when you come to end of, end of fiscal year and you have to spend some money, you know, where do you spend it? So that also helps you because, you know, you know, logisticians know where the money can be spent. They don't have to buy a bunch of paper and pencils to eat up. You know, they can go. And then, you know, it also makes all of our lives easier if you have people that know what other people are doing in the in the company, because that way you can not cause problems, mm-hmm. you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it seems like part of that need to know what's going on leads to people wanting to pull information, needing to pull information mm-hmm. instead of just having it pushed at you. I mean, like in organization, a lot of times the emails that come to you feels like a push of information of like, do I, is that information relevant to me? Is that something I need to spend time uh, processing or, or can that information be out there in a way where I can request it, search for it, find it on a poll basis. It seems like an effective knowledge management process and, and system would, would save us time because we're, we're able to access kind of, you know, uh, what we need when we need it kind of related to this idea of just-in-time knowledge. Um, what what yeah, are your, some of the thoughts uh, about that? Well, it, it also can be used if you look at customer experiences. You know, if a customer is after hours and they need to go somewhere, so they might go to a bot and ask a bot questions. Well, the bot, you know, if, if, if the humans know what kind of information the customers are looking for, they can they can set the bot up for that. So then, then that's when you're getting the technology involved. But if that technology stops working, then you need people to know what's going on. So you may want to have that standardized playbook there, as well as giving your people the autonomy to use what they know about it before they say, well, I can't answer this question. I got to pass you off to somebody else because that's going to keep your customers with you. That's going to keep, you know, customers happy, but it's also going to make your team happy because they don't feel useless. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like, um, whether it's through the ability to search or to ask a bot or to find, you know, a chat agent as a, as a customer, you know, you're, you're trying to find information and it seems like we want to, in, in lean language, reduce the wasted motion mm-hmm. involved yes. in typing or clicking or searching or, or waiting. 
it's because it's very frustrating when you're put on hold and you have to wait for somebody else to tell you, oh, I'm sorry, you came the wrong person. You know, most of us are patient enough with one or two people, but when you have to go past two, you just want to hang up. But then, you know, you got to start over again. Well, and that that's something that irritates me as a customer, the the lack of knowledge management of, you know, you, you, you call in and you sort of, you tell your story to one person and then you might even hear it sounds like they're maybe taking notes and then you get transferred and you feel like you're completely starting over. Right. Because like, because they don't know that. So that knowledge transfer is so important. You know, knowledge transfer being one way, pushing up information and, tra- and knowledge sharing being a discussion. There really should be a transfer of knowledge pushed about what they know about the customer before that other person picks up the phone. And then there needs to be a backup where they share it somewhere. So that it gets gets put on, but then you're going to need to have somebody else go into there and make sure, just kind of like with lessons learned, where they clear out the old, outdated data and information, and they make sure it's most up to date with what your what your systems are and what your people are working with. Yeah. So, so you can have defects in that knowledge management system, like you said, either things that are out of date or possibly just flat out incorrect. We'd want to yeah. try to minimize that. Yeah, or or you get where you get multiple versions of something <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know you're trying to finalize it and you have to ask that question, well, which one's most most up to date? Mm-hmm. And you know, take really you can't just strictly go off the date on the document because you know you open that document once, change a letter or correct a spelling, close it, that might be the wrong document. Yeah. So you have to talk to people and have, you know, somebody's gotta be there to manage that. And yeah, I think you you, know, you raise an interesting point in that scenario. Let's say of your information getting passed along from phone agent to phone agent, um, that that push sounds very helpful. And you know, rather than being dogmatic about you know push versus pull, um, you know, it seems like there's a principle. I, I know it's just reading a little bit here. Um, you know, there, there's a definition that I found of, of lean knowledge management as, and this will mm-hmm. sound familiar um, whether we're talking about inventory or medications or what have you, getting the right information in the right form to the right people at the right right time. time. So if you're transferring a caller, it seems reasonable that the information about that caller and their customer service need would get passed along with the caller so that the agent doesn't then have to take time to go search or pull it up, which is going to waste some of their emotion, waste the customer's time. And we could always do a gamble walkthrough for that. See, see what they're dealing with. So I'm talking about kind of following the, the flow of information. Yeah, find out what happens. Yeah. Well, find out if you're, if you're in a call center, you can walk from one person and see what they do physically, what they're doing to pass somebody off to somebody else if they have to, and see if they like send them a document with it or if it's a requirement in their processes to look at the at notes before they pick up that answer that phone line. You know. What are they going to do? You know, when does it stop? When does it, when does that person finally say, "Let me talk to your manager," kind of thing? And then, what does the manager know about it? Because the manager may not know. My manager might just pick up the phone and go, "Hi, this is so and so. How can I help you?" And then they get screamed at. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've I've learned, you know, thinking of let's say, you know, calling in for help or support. Um, never, never 
tell the long version of the story before you've confirmed you're in the right place <laughs> with the right person. Cause there's nothing worse than telling the long version of the story and then being told, Oh, okay. I'll transfer. you." <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've, I've been on the thing saying, do you, did anybody tell you what I'm calling about? And I'll be told, no, you got, I need to know first, what's your name and you know, what's your number or whatever. So yeah, I, I don't really like doing that. No. Um, there's, there's probably also, it seems like, um, possible waste involving capturing information that doesn't get used. Mm-hmm. What, what are your thoughts on trying to figure out as an organization, like what, what's worth documenting? Are we always able to easily predict what knowledge is going to be worthwhile now or later? Um, you know, I hadn't really thought about that, but I, I would think, you know, you know, if you're at a meeting and you're taking minutes, you don't necessarily need to write every single note, but you just want to hit the high points. So, you know, when, when I, you know, when I was a young knowledge manager, I had to take minutes at, um, you know, community practice calls, I would just have the agenda lined up and just take notes that went to the agenda, you know, the, the, you know, what came out of it, what the, what the future work was going to be that came out of that. You know, if we had a problem, it was a solution. I didn't write, so-and-so said this, so-and-so said that, unless I had to put a name to an action. But, you know, yeah. I'd have to give that a lot more thought, though. Well, there, there's a difference between um, good meeting minutes and a transcript. Yeah, I, mean, I don't need a transcript. <laughs> <laughs> meeting minutes um, capture probably just, yeah, what, what, what were the key decisions? What are the key things that need to be passed along for people who missed the meeting or just for future reference. Well, yeah. And we were required to publish our minutes because not everybody could always make the community practice meeting. So we would have to publish those and we'd have to turn them, have a really quick turnaround because there was actions there that need quick turns around turnarounds. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, you've talked a lot, um, about you know, kind of you know, personal benefits to to knowledge management. There there are some organizational benefits then that go hand in hand. You know, so so thinking about kind of what what's typical in the realm of knowledge management. Like what what would you say are some you know kind of particular good practices that that you haven't touched on already? Other good practices that that are worth sharing. Oh, there are a lot. Um, knowledge, knowledge management about <laughs> knowledge management. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So one thing is, is, you know, when you, when you've got something and you don't want to forget it, write it down, but then write it down and put it in the same place as all the time, because, you know, you have a person that might come to work and be, maybe you're turning over to them. If you, if you're a shift worker or something like that, you need to turn things over, have, have a standardized place to put things. You know, just just like you know, sort, straighten all that stuff. You want to have, you want to have the notes in the same place. You also want to have the same format when you when you capture knowledge. You, you know, when you have to put something somewhere, naming conventions are very important. I even do this at home, even though my email is terrible. My personal email, I'm a terrible knowledge manager. I usually just use a search button. Um, but you know, when you're filing things, if you could look at my, at my you know, OneDrive, you would see when I put my dates, I put year, you know, 2022, 01, and then I guess today's 10th. Yeah. Or 11th. Oh, it's actually <laughs> so it'd be, 11th. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be 2022, 01, 
1-1. And so that's how I date my receipts. That's how I date documents I write. And I always put my first name, you know, you know, if I'm saying something off and it doesn't have a particular date, I'll put my name, you know, I'll put young and I'll put underscore. And so I do these things so I can find things easily, especially dates. Um, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot of things I do. Um, I do actually have a, a Kaizen or not Kaizen. I'm a Kanban board behind, behind this monitor right now. And I, I have a way of, I've aligned what I'm doing, you know, but these are, I color code things, you know, things that make it easy for me to find things. Cause like I said before, findability is so important. So, you know, if you're going to have a, if you're going to use a SharePoint portal, which I'm kind of crawling into the, the technology side, if you're going to have a SharePoint portal, you need to make sure that, you know, where your, where your housing information is able to be found and used by the people, but not only used, but understood what, what it means. So, you know, don't just send somebody that email saying, okay, this, this document's here. Well, why is this important to me? You know, the what's in it for me, but why is it important to me? You know, and th- those are just a few things that I do with knowledge management. You know, it's, there's a lot more, there's, there's a lot of books out there about it, but you know, I, you know, just what do you use on a daily basis? And, you know, one other tool I would, I would say is map out knowledge. Um, I recommend knowledge mapping when people come into a job. Um, because when they first get there, they have no idea who anybody is. So you come in and you might start with an org chart and, or you might have a space, you know, if, if you're working in an office where people are actually in the office, know where their desks are and kind of take notes about what their job is and what their contact information is, who's on your team. That way, you know, you know where to go to find out how to do something or find out what the process is, you know, and, I'll lie. I have one more. <laughs> if okay. you use uh, yeah. the the business practice um, business or business process management system, you know that that's also a very useful knowledge management tool. Yeah. So so knowledge mapping is really a way of mapping where certain knowledge exists or with who. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, especially like say you want to you need to go travel. If you're brand new, you have no idea what the travel procedures are. And there's probably a, a standard operating procedure about how to do travel, but it's not always that easy. You know, if you don't understand, well, go to, go to the travel system. What travel system? Mm-hmm. Well, if you have somebody in your space that's a t- the travel expert or even HR that works in your space, you can go to them. But if you're brand new, you may not know who that is. And we've had that happen where we have brand new people that come to our company and they need to they need to get their email set up and they need to order a travel card. How do they do that? And if they at least know where to where to start, they can get it done. You know, rather than just have a a, a line of directions. Yeah. Yeah, and that's something that's I think interesting to think about as a company uh, grows. Um, you know, thinking of of Kinexus, um, you know, as a software company that's grown um, you know over ten years. Um, more specialized functions that people have is we have more people, the work mm-hmm. that people do tends to be more specialized. There's still you know, a high degree of collaboration in the company. That's a good thing about the culture. But you know, my role with Kinexus is very uh, part-time. And as the company has grown and new people come on board and some people's roles have changed, there, there are times where I'm try- there's, there's some sort of information or some sort of question that I have and I kind of freeze. I'm like, I don't know who to go to anymore. Yeah. <laughs> a couple a couple of years ago, 
a little bit smaller team and different people in different roles I would have known. So I end up going to either Greg Jacobson as the CEO, like, sorry to bother the CEO, <laughs> you're, you're busy, Greg, or, you know, I have one other key person of like, who should I be talking to? Um, yeah. are, are, are there things that we can do other than going to kind of a human traffic cop to help understand? I guess that's where yeah. like doing some formal knowledge mapping goes beyond an org chart. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And, and I have, uh, in fact, if you go to my website, I have educational videos I've created, little doodly videos, like three minutes long. And one of them is about knowledge mapping. And so, you know, you can, you can go in there and I show you how I use an org chart to start with, but then you also look at other things like if, if you're a, logis, a logistician, you have a logistics center, where does that information feed into? Who do they go to to pull the knowledge from or to get the information about the next, you know, load of whatever they need? You know, who's the who's main point of contact for that? So it's, it does get away from the basic org chart, but you also have to realize that there are places people need to go to as well. There might be a safe things are kept in or a filing cabinet. You know, the, or, you know, like, like I said earlier, the BPMS, the business process management system that you may have to go to, to access things. Yeah. And, and Cindy's website, um, and we'll mention this again at the end, it's um, cjyoungconsulting.com. I should have mentioned that up front. Yeah. Um, I just, this, this random thought come back to me, um, you know, thinking it's about hoarding information and knowledge management and helping people navigate an organization. My, uh, my first full-time job out of college, which longtime listeners will know was at General Motors and General Motors in 1995 had its dysfunctions and, uh, and quirks. But I remember asking the plant manager's um, executive assistant for an org chart because I was new to the company. Uh, I was trying to figure out who I would need to talk to or work with um, for, for different things. And I'll never forget, and I can still picture this, this interaction. And she said, oh, we, we don't publish, we don't share the organizational <laughs> chart because people use that to recruit people away. Yeah. <laughs> like whatever benefit they had real or perceived you know, um, from, from not sharing the org chart with an employee, I think that was far outweighed by like me having to kind of cobble together my own knowledge and draw it out on a page of my Franklin planner of who does what, and who's the manager over what area. That was part of my knowledge management at the time, the Franklin planner. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, we use that a lot in the Navy. So, but in the Navy, you know, we, we do keep, in the Navy, we did keep org charts off the websites, but we still let the commands use those. We're expected to, because you had to know who was, Who's the weapons officer? Who's the combat systems officer? Who's the engineer, the CEO, the XO at any time? You know, because you had to reach out to them. You know, we didn't play, we didn't stay in our own ship. You know, that wasn't our little silo. But yeah, the org chart, it's, you have to share it. You know, how, how are you going to do business if you don't know who in the business you need to talk yeah. to? Yeah, it seemed exceedingly paranoid. Like it seemed like a story you might hear about a, a modern startup company or something. Well, telling people you got don't. LinkedIn now. <laughs> well, I was, I was just going to say, like, you know, some company might tell their people, like, don't have a LinkedIn profile because, you know, when people have LinkedIn profiles, they just get recruited away. Like, I, that's I don't think that's getting to the root cause of the problem. <laughs> no, um, and you know, LinkedIn I think is a great knowledge manager tool. Quite honestly. You know, we share a lot of we share a lot of tips and tricks on there, and we we also can reach out to other companies if we have a friend that needs a job or is looking for a job. 
you know, we just kind of go there and we look up and see who the connections are. Unless they have it set for private, you know, we can look and see who has connections and we reach out to them. You know, it's, it's a great tool. I mean, that's what, that's how they're making all their money with their um, sales navigator. And people buying subscriptions to that service. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think the, um, yeah, it's been interesting to see how LinkedIn is, has evolved over 20 years. It really started off as just a sort of static collection of resumes, resumes. Or profiles. <laughs> so you have that level of information. Who is this person? Are they a real person? Who do they work for? Who do they say they work for? Who have they worked for in the past? I mean, it's the information like any knowledge management, any knowledge management system. Um, it's only as accurate as what the people... people have put um, into it. But now, you know, LinkedIn has sort of evolved to become more of a social network, a social media platform. And, and, you know, with that runs the risk of, like you said, there's, there's knowledge, there are good tips. And then, you know, um, not to get down this rat hole, but sadly there, there's, there's things that might be labeled as uh, misinformation or disinformation. Um, so, I mean, what, what are your thoughts, Cindy, on, you know, even if it's internally, you know, how, how does a, a knowledge management platform help people gauge, like, what is actually accurate and valid, especially if there's conflicting information? How, how do we help manage that? Honestly, I think it's people. We have to take an active, we can't rely on the computers to tell us what's, what's you know, they can tell us what's up to date based on accessing the system, but if we don't know if we don't, if we don't understand what we're looking at, then we don't, we don't really have a place in looking at it to start with. But if, if I'm standing with somebody or both looking at the same customer information and I know that this customer is looking at changing, you know, their, their sales or changing what they're selling or who they're buying product product from and the other person doesn't, then I'm going to know, you know, what, what changes are coming about. And so I'm going to know whether or not the information is accurate too, because of things I may be doing, who I'm maybe talking to or activities I may be doing, whereas other person is not going to. So really it's, it's not really a matter of the system. It's, it's people. We have to be involved in what's going on. We can't just expect that. Oh yeah. We put it on SharePoint portal. Everybody's going to read it. It's <laughs> not going to happen. Right. You've got to be active. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're talking about some good practices with knowledge management and, um, you know, one, one thing I like talking about is mistakes and lessons learned. I've got my coffee yes. mug from a different podcast series. I do my favorite mistake. What, what are some common mistakes, Cindy, that people make with knowledge management individually or in an organization? We've already touched on the mistake of hoarding information. Right. What, what are some other mistakes? Well, I think. Well, when when you don't when you don't acknowledge that that knowledge is wrong. You know that somebody is misinterpreting knowledge. You have to be clear about what you're what you're sharing. You know, it, sharing is great, but you got to make sure it's accurate. You know, so when people guess, say if they guess at numbers, oh yeah, well that number may be a big big error. So you know, you want to have accurate knowledge to share, and so you got to got to do your homework before you share it. Um, when you when you transfer it, when you're doing the one way push, you know, don't. I had I had a math chief that worked with me, and he told me he didn't read below the the line, um, below the preview pane. So if you're sharing knowledge, don't don't go the whole page and, and expect everybody's going to read everything. 
because they're they're not. So, you know, you got to look at your email practices, got to look at your social media practices of what you share. So, if if you're going to be if you're going to be sharing on one platform, have have a particular idea of who you want to reach. You know, another thing you want to do, oh, let me see. Well, with, with with knowledge management, you want to make sure that if you're using a method of of sharing that the per, other person's good at using that method. So if somebody only reaches their email once a day, don't spend don't send email multiple times a day and expect them to look at it. You know, don't be afraid to call somebody. You know, you need to talk to people because a lot of times when you communicate with people, they 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 want to ask questions and they better understand what you're telling them if they can ask clarifying questions. You know, and there's a lot more, but <laughs> Yeah, well, and and there's a lot more um, that that Cindy has shared in different ways. The knowledge that she is sharing on her website, um, again, cjyoungconsulting.com. I'll put links to that article I mentioned, um, the TEDx talk um, that that Cynthia did. Um, That that TEDx talk was titled, A Knowledge Mindset, What You Know Comes From Where You Sit. Um, How how would you summarize, like, what, what sort of the... Um, you know, the, the above the preview line summary of the TEDx talk um, to, for people to go and watch that. Um, yes. So it's, it's, you know, when you have somebody as senior at a company, don't be, a, don't, don't hold out on telling your other people to have to execute what's going on or why they're executing it. You know, if, if they have something that they need done right now, explain them why they need have it done right now and give them some input, give, let them have some input as well. Because you know the seats are different. If I if I'm the worker bee and you're the VP, I'm not going to have any idea of why it's important to you or what what I need to know about, unless you tell me. And I'm not going to feel trusted. I'm not going to feel included in the in the discussion. I'm going to feel like you're treating me like a worker bee. So that's why I encourage people, you know, to remember, you know, knowledge based on where you sit is not always a good thing. So I hope people will go check out um, the video. I'll link to that in the show notes. And then again, coming up on um, February 10th, uh, the webinar that Cindy's going to be presenting, uh, the title of that is Common Methods to Benefit Organizational Knowledge Management and Continuous Improvement Efforts. Um, can you give us a little bit of a, a preview of what you'll be sharing in the webinar? Yeah, there's there's a lot of of, to, of tools and techniques that we use, such in in process improvement. We use check sheets, checklists. Um, we use uh, you know Kanban boards. You know those kind of things are not just tools for process improvement or continuous improvement. You can also use those in other areas, such as knowledge management. And when you use the similar tools in other areas, and you find different uses for them, you save a company a lot of money. Because you don't have to buy new things. You're not looking for the newest gadget. If it works, it works. And you don't have to retrain people on how to use it. Just to show people why you're using it differently here or why you're using it the same way here. And that's what, so we're going to talk about, I think, about nine or ten tools. Maybe a little more than that. So. Well, I'll look forward to that. And it'll be a chance to dig deeper into um, some of these approaches. That that webinar is open uh, to all, anyone who's interested in that Kinexus customer or otherwise. Um, Kinexus customers use, you know, Kinexus as a, a knowledge management tool uh, for their improvement work and um, their standard operating procedures and performance measures. And um, so I think, you know, people are trying to get better 
um, especially around um, you know, these different knowledge management approaches. Um, it'll be interesting um, for, for a wide range of people. Um, so Cindy's website, again, uh, cjyoungconsulting.com. And there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about before we go, um, something that you do called a knowledge management bootcamp. Tell us yes. uh, what, you know, what is that? Who is that uh, targeted toward? All right. Well, that, that's my course that I have. And um, it, registration is going to open on the 17th of January. So the course starts on the 7th of February. It's a five-week course, 10 modules. It's got a great workbook. I've interviewed six KM experts that you can also hear from about how they see things in different industries they've worked in. And it's about, it's, it's a tool, it's a course that is going to help people that want to either improve their problem solving skills so they're not overlooked anymore. And so they're, they're seen as somebody that can, their organization can count on to be pulled into other areas that may not be specifically in theirs that they, they can look at getting rid of the silos you know, you're still going to have your little spots, but, you know, getting getting rid of the stop gaps between the two silos or three silos or five silos. But, you know, it's kind of people that would want to sign up for a course like this would be, you know, new professionals or professionals that maybe want to change how they're seen at work or professionals that just want to grow and upskill. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Well, I hope people can check that out. Um, they can learn more. Again, CJ Young Consulting. Dot com And thank you for, for doing the podcast today. Thank you in advance for doing um, the Kinexus webinar. Um, so. oh, thank you for having me. Sure thing. So again, our guest has been uh, Dr. Cynthia J. Young. Um, she, uh, you, you see listed in the show notes and on the page, um, all the letters, um, PMP certification, the LSS, Lean Six Sigma Master Black Belt, and the, uh, the CMQ OE. That, that's a certification that was new to me. That sounds like something that'd be interesting to go check out. It's it's great, especially if you're a manager and you're also interested in process improvement. It all feeds together. Yeah, both good. Thank you. Um, thank you again, Cindy. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Oh, I'm going to ask you too. Also, I see uh, a cat. Just a quick detour. Sunning yeah. itself in the window. Oh, that's Buddy. <laughs> that's Buddy. That's our only boy cat. Yeah, he reached out one day to my husband. My husband was in Petco. He reached out. And um, tried to get him. And so my husband sent me a picture and said, we're going to adopt him. Because in Chesapeake, you can only adopt four cats before you get get a fostering license. And mm-hmm. we're not going to be around to foster. But, yeah. you know, so we have four cats and he's our fourth cat. Oh, buddy. He's the only boy cat. So now he's got more testosterone in the house. <laughs> buddy looks very happy laying there. He's a very comfortable kitty. <laughs> he's okay. only two years old. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us. And, and buddy, thanks for uh, thanks for being quiet and sunning yourself. there. <laughs> well, thanks again to Cindy for being our guest today. Again, the webinar that she's going to be presenting on February 10th is open for registration now. It's titled Impactful Methods to Benefit Organizational Knowledge Management and Continuous Improvement Efforts. So again, look for a registration link in the show notes. Go to kinexus.com slash webinars or you can find a link at leanblog.org slash 436. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.